Thank you, Brenda. I appreciated that. And thank you, Susan, for your music this morning as well. I woke up early and sat outside on our front porch. Our front porch faces the west, so the sun was not beating down on me. And I sat there and just admired his creation this morning. The intelligent design that he has um, provided for us in the world that we live in. And I sat there and I thought about the blessings that he has given to me in my life and the opportunity that we could come here together this morning to hear his word and to think upon those blessings and this gospel which he has given to us. And so with that in mind, I welcome you in the name of Jesus Christ this morning to the house of the Lord and pray that you have come in preparation to receive his spirit and to commune here with the fellow saints that have gathered. My call to worship comes from Doctrine and Covenants, Section 2, 1A through C, and 2A. The works and the designs and the purposes of God cannot be frustrated. Neither can they come to naught, for God doth not walk in crooked paths. Neither doth he turn to the right hand nor to the left. Neither doth he bury from that which he has said, Therefore his paths are straight, and his course is one eternal round. Remember, remember, that is not the work of God that is frustrated, but the work of men. With that in mind, if you would, turn with me to number 399, 399. Take time to be holy. We will stand for the singing of this hymn, and after that, our invocation will be brought by priest Harold Sharkey. Number 399. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we have gathered once again in your house this day, and we are thankful for this opportunity, and we would pray that your loving Holy Spirit would attend us now in abundance. And we would ask also that as we have gathered, that we would be mindful of all those 
times that you have blessed us in so many ways and we fall so far short. And we would pray that we would turn to thee more often and seek thy face whenever we are in need. And we ask also that your spirit might rest upon our brother Steve, who will bring the message now, that his mind and his heart might be touched by the words that you have placed upon them, that they indeed would assist us in our effort as we strive to come closer to you. And help us in this, we would ask. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray in this hour. Amen. Hallelujah. <clears throat> From Acts twenty thirty five, I have shown you all things, how that so laboring <clears throat> ye ought to support the weak, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I think of... Uh, of just a smile, just our greetings. It can be to one another. It can be to someone else, complete stranger. If you just say good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and when we smile, I was always told this when I was a kid, my parents would say, smile, it fills your face up. And to go with Jared's talking about our, our Heavenly Father and the Creator of everything, he designed our, our smile to push your cheeks up. If you think about it, it does fill your face up. And I just uh, wanted to stand in his presence and say, thank you, hallelujah, Lord. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we come today in thanksgiving. We know, Lord, that uh, you have taught us that it's better to give than receive. We ask that you would bless the monies that are, that are taken today to your glory and your kingdom and that it would do what you want it to do and benefit you, Lord. Thank you for giving us and loving us so much. This is my prayer. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. It's a well-known one, and well, I think most of you, if not all of you, know it. It's taken from the ninth chapter of the book of Genesis. And 
says, I will set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a token of the covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass, when I bring the cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in, in the cloud. And I will remember the covenant which I have made between me and you, or every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall no more become become a flood to destroy the, the earth, to, to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it, that, in, that, that, that I may remember the everlasting covenant which I made to thy father Enoch, that when men should keep all my commandments, Zion should come again on the earth, the city of Enoch, which I have caught up unto myself. And this is mine everlasting covenant, when thy posterity shall embrace the truth and look upward, then shall Zion look downward, and all the heavens shall shake with gladness, and the earth shall tremble with joy. And the general assembly of the church of the firstborn shall come down out of heaven and possess the earth, and, and shall have place until the end come. And this is my everlasting covenant, which I made with thy father Enoch, and the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will establish my covenant unto thee, which I have made between me and thee, for every living creature of all flesh that shall be upon the earth.
the bread there. Amen. Susan, it's, it's always, the music always sets a tone, and certainly you can't go wrong with faithfulness. And, uh, and certainly the, what I want to speak about today has to do with uh, covenants. And, and there's no greater covenant than the, than the everlasting covenant. But, uh, and we'll get to that later on. But I wanted to start out with, uh, with, uh, well, first of all, I want to say that when I got here today, I met Lee in the foyer. And Lee said that if he didn't see me here, he thought he might have to do it. I, I said, well, if I know that, you, I might not have come. But uh, anyway, you know, it's good to be here, and I'm glad to be here. And certainly, certainly one we want to, want to speak today on, on the topic of covenants. And we're going to start out in, in, in the book of Joshua. And uh, actually, the first reading will be from Deuteronomy. But uh, we'll be talking about a group of people that's talked about in, in Joshua. And, and I want to read this scripture from Deuteronomy to kind of set the stage. And this is Moses speaking. And when the Lord thy God shall bring thee into the land whither thou goest to possess it, and hast cast away the many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Gershites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jesuitites, seven nations greater and mighty than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them utterly and utterly destroy them, and shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. That sounds kind of harsh, but what the Lord was trying to do was he, he wanted people that was dedicated to them, a peculiar people, and one who kept his commandments. And he knew that if he didn't do that, that, that they would make friends with the people that were there and, and take, take on their ways. And so now we're going to go into the, into the book of Joshua. And there's a group of people that are called the Gibeonites. And I want to make just a, I want to clarify that so there's no mistaking because, well, in the book of Judges, there's a man named Gideon. And this, this is not, this is not Gideon. It's spelled almost the same. Gideon's G-I-D-E-O-N. And the Gibeonite he is spelled G-I-B-E-O-N. And so it's just a different people and a different race. And these people, it says, were Hivites. And, uh, so the, so the, the Gibeonites had heard how the Lord had destroyed the, the Egyptians and, and how, what he'd done to them. And, and they destroyed, and he'd heard how, what they'd done to the kings. That, that opposed them in the on their way into the covenant land, how they how they destroyed the people of Jericho and and of Ai and and uh, that was on the other side of the Jordan, and you know they they uh, came into the camp of the Israelites one day and they they had camels on camels and they bringing provisions and offering them provisions. And the Israelite says, well, who are you? What do you want? And he says, we want to, want to make a treaty or a league with you. And they said, well, where are you from? And they said, we're, we're from a far country. We're nowhere near you. And, uh, and uh, you know, they showed him. And they was in old, dirty clothes. And their sandals were, were worn. And they had moldy bread. And, and uh, they said, look, look, we, we don't live anywhere near you. And, uh, and so, the, the, and then they, his right, Joshua and the, his leaders that were with him asked, well, what do you want? And we want to be your servants, is what he was told. Well, that sounded good. And so they made, so they made a covenant with him. And of course, 
as I read just a little bit ago, then this was contrary to the commandments of God. And, uh, you know, about three days later that the, that uh, Joshua and his leaders found out that these people were right in the pathway where they was going. And, uh, you know, they, and here they'd made a league with these people. And, uh, you know, they, they were kind of upset with them and, uh, they said, well, how come you did to the, did, did, did to that? You know, they were so deceptive. And they said, well, we were afraid for our lives. We, we didn't want, want to be killed. And they, and then so, and basically what it was was because of the covenant that Joshua made with them that they were offered protection. And, and the surrounding cities of these people, when they got word of it, they, they didn't like it and, and they raised armies to go, not against Joshua, but against these people of Gibeon. And the Gibeon sent to Joshua and said, hey, we're being attacked. Come help us. And Joshua's, you know, you know, he could have said, well, the Lord's taking care of us. We shouldn't have done that. The Lord's going to handle it. But no, no, they, they, they didn't say that. And, but they, they said, well, we've, Giving these people our word, and we're going to go, and we're going to keep the covenant. And so they sent their armies to, to their aid. Now the people that Joshua, Joshua were supposed to destroy were now being protected by Joshua. And then Joshua's armies were fighting for them. And I think there was a pretty good army, and there's five, five, five different kings involved. And, uh, and these kings came and came and they just and they just wanted to destroy the Gibeonites because of the covenant they'd made. They were angry, but uh, but Joshua but the Joshua came to them and and engaged them in battle, and it was a pretty good battle. And uh, you know the sun was going down, it started to get dark, and here here the and Joshua spoke to the sun and said, Son, be still. And you know, he told the sun not to go down. And the Lord honored that. The Lord the Lord went with Joshua and he was with them in protecting people that originally had been scheduled for death. And uh and then and said that the Lord caused great hailstorms to great hell to come out of the out of the heavens said the hell actually killed more people than the than the army did in in the war, and, uh, and it was all because of a covenant that uh, that these that these things happened, and uh, and, and so, so it's amazing what a covenant would do, and we too make a covenant with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We all were slated to go to hell and to go and and, and to and to be be, and, and be destroyed and, and yet uh, God and sent his son Jesus and Jesus died for our sins and because he did that we're able to make a covenant with him and it's because of the covenant that we have to eternal life that and God recognizes that covenant, and uh, and this is done through the waters of of, of baptism. And uh, I want to read to you from uh, from section seventy six, and okay, we're going to go to. And it talks about uh, about those who will be rejected. And let's see. We need to start at. It says, Thus saith the Lord concerning all those who know my power and have been made partakers 
thereof and suffered themselves through the power of the devil to be overcome and to deny the truth and to defy my power. They are they who are the sons of perdition of whom I say it had never been. It had been better for them never to have been born. And, uh, you know, these sons of perdition are the ones who have committed the unpardonable sin. For they are vessels of wrath, doomed to suffer the wrath of God with the devil and his angels in eternity, concerning whom I have said there is no forgiveness in this world nor in the world to come. Having denied the Holy Spirit after having received it, having crucified him unto themselves and put him to an open shame, these are they who shall go away into the lake of fire and brimstone with the devil and his angels. And the only ones, the only one, yea, verily the only ones who shall not be redeemed in due time of the Lord after the suffering of his wrath. For all the rest shall be brought forth by the resurrection of the dead through the triumph and the glory of the Lamb who was slain, who was in the bosom of the Father before the worlds were made. And uh, in, this is basically saying that there's a difference between being saved and, and uh, for, if, for if someone comes, comes by and says they are saved, you know, I don't have, have any problem because this says that all those who are not, who are not sons of perdition will be, you know, that, that they'll come forth. But what the Bible does say in the 14th chapter of the book of John is that in its father's house there are many mansions. And, uh, you know, not everyone gets to live with the Lord in eternity. And, uh, you know, the, so to be saved, and to be saved is different from being, being saved in the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is basically His church. And these are those who come unto the Lord and make a covenant with Him. But to be saved in, in one of the other glories, to, to Lestrani specifically, is to, is, there is no covenant. Jesus died for, for all. And, uh, but, but, but to be saved in, in the kingdom of God means to live with God. And that is a full, described as being a fullness of joy, a fullness, a fullness of, uh, of, uh, you know, of all that there is. It's a perfect state, and there, there is no, no better place to be. And, and when this church was brought forth, that we might inherit the celestial glory, and uh, that's why we're here in this church is that we might, might learn what's required to live with God in that state of perfection. And, uh, and so, so it is that, to, that we come to the kingdom of God. And I want to read a little bit more from what I was reading from section 76. And this gospel of the glad tidings which the voice of heaven bore record unto us, that he came into the world, even Jesus, to be crucified for the world and to bear the sins of the world, and to sanctify the world, and to cleanse it, cleanse it from all unrighteousness, that through him all might be saved, whom the Father had put into his power, and made by him, who glorifies the Father, and saves all the world of his hands, except those sons of perdition, who denied his Son after the Father had revealed him. Wherefore he saves all except them, that they shall go away to everlasting punishment, which is endless punishment, which is eternal punishment, to reign with the devil and with his angels in eternity, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched, which is their torment, and the end thereof, neither the place thereof, nor the torment no man knows, neither was it revealed, neither will be revealed unto man except to them who are made partakers thereof. And uh, then I'll read a little bit from the next paragraph, or, or verse. It says, again, we bear record that we saw and heard. This is a testimony of, Jesus, of the gospel of Christ concerning them that come forth in the resurrection of the just. 
They are they who receive, who receive the testimony of Jesus and believed in his name and were baptized after the manner of his burial, being buried in the water in his name. And this according to the commandment which he has given. And that, and that by keeping the commandment, they might be washed and cleansed from all their sins and receive the Holy Spirit by the laying on of hands of him who is ordained and sealed unto the, to this power and who overcome by faith and are sealed by that Holy Spirit of promise which the Father sheds upon all those who are just and true. And they are they who are the church of the firstborn. And then I'll stop there. And, you know, these, and uh, those of this last reading I have further down, he'll say these are the sons and daughters of the Lord. They are born, born of the Spirit. So we all enter the world born of the flesh, but in, in this we are born of the Spirit. And uh, we have and we have the promise of eternal life living with, with God in eternity. And, uh, you know, when the Lord speaks of eternal life, he's speaking of celestial glory. And, uh, and so we want to, to, to encourage everyone who has not been entered into a covenant to do so. And, uh, I, I want to go to the third chapter of the book of John. And this, this is when Nicodemus comes, comes to the, comes to the, uh, see Jesus by night. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He ruled the Jews. The king came, the saint came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher from God, for no man can do these miracles which thou doest, except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be, be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Doesn't say he cannot be saved, but he cannot see the kingdom of God. And uh, and so, uh, so once again, Jesus is telling Nicodemus he must be born again to, to, to see the kingdom of God. And, uh, and so we go to uh, we go to the book of Messiah and there's two chapters in the third chapter of Messiah and this is King Benjamin speaking. And it came to pass that when King Benjamin had made an end of all these things and had concentrated his son Messiah to be ruler and king of his people and give them all charges concerning the kingdom and also appointed priests, teachers, and people that thereby they might hear and know the commandments of God and to stir them up to remembrance of the oath which they had made. He dismissed the multitude and returned everyone according to their families to their own houses. And, and, uh, well, I'm in the wrong chapter, that's why. Okay. And it is the faith which we had had on things which our king had spoken to us that brought us to this great knowledge, whereby we, we do rejoice with such exceeding great joy. And we are willing to enter into a covenant with our God to do His will and to be obedient to His commandments in all things, and that, that He shall command us in all the remainder of our days, that we may not bring upon ourselves a never-ending torment, as has been spoken by the angel, that we may not drink out of the cup of the wrath of God. And then also we go to... To nine, 
in chapter 9 and
by the many waters, and by and I beheld by the Spirit of God that came down and wrought upon the man, and he went forth upon the many waters, even to the seed of my brethren, who were in the promised land. And, you know, we, we understand this to be the prophecy of Columbus, and I was reading Peter Marshall's book, and from the, from uh, where he speaks a little bit about Columbus and Columbus's experience. And uh, here, 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 Peter Marshall is saying, "This nation was founded by God and with His special calling. The people who first came." Here knew that they were being led by the Lord Jesus Christ to found a nation where men, women, and children were to live in obedience to Him. And then Peter goes on to say, Peter began to quote to the audience a few translated excerpts from an obscure volume of Columbus which had never previously appeared in English. And now, now he's quoting Columbus. It was the Lord who put it in my mind. I could feel his hand upon me. The fact that it would be possible to sail from here to the Indies. All who heard my project rejected it with laughter and ridiculing. There is no question that the inspiration was from the Holy Spirit because he comforted me with rays of marvelous inspiration from the Holy Scriptures. I am a most unworthy sinner but I have cried out to the Lord for grace and mercy, and they have covered me completely. I have found the sweetest consolation since I made it my whole purpose to enjoy his marvelous presence for the execution of the journey to the Indies. I did not, I did not make use of intelligence, mathematics, or maps. It is simply the fulfillment of what Isaiah had prophesied, and he doesn't give the scripture. No one should fear to undertake take any task in the name of our Savior, if it is just, if it is just, and the intention is purely for His holy service, the working happens. Out of things has been assigned to each person by the Lord, but all things happens according to His sovereign will. Even though He gives advice, He lacks nothing. It is in the power of men to give Him. Oh, what a gracious Lord who desires that people should perform for Him those things for which he himself, he holds himself responsible. Day and night, moment by moment, everyone should express their most devoted gratitude to him. And so that's what, that's a quote for what Columbus had to say in, in said himself for this in, in which he discovered America. And we got uh, one more A quotation from Columbus. In Columbus's journal, he described an incident which took, took place on his fourth and final voyage after he'd been made governor of, of Hispaniola and had been then relieved of that command for mismanagement. Sick with a fever and in the depths of despair, he had a half-waking dream in which he heard a stern voice strongly rebuke him for, for self-pity. The voice quoted reminded him of the Almighty had singled him out of all the men in his age for the honor of bearing the light of Christ to a new world and had given him all that he had asked for. And it was recorded in heaven every event of his life. And so it is, it is that, uh, that, the, that this nation is a promised land, is a holy land. God has led this nation and and we, we we come to this land. Now I'm going to read from section 108. And uh, and for this cause, men might be maybe partakers of the glory which were revealed. The Lord sent sent the fullness of the gospel, his everlasting covenant. Now this is significant 
the scientific calls the fullness of the gospel his everlasting covenant. So the fullness of the gospel is associated with his everlasting covenant. Reasoning and plainness and simplicity, it prepares the weak for those things which are coming to the earth. And uh, also in section 108, it was given to be the appendix to the book of commandments. And it's talking about the everlasting covenants. In section 1, which is which is the preface to the book of commandments, it says, it says the Lord gave it, and the Lord sent this because of his everlasting commandments. And so, uh, and so we, I also got one other scripture I'm going to read from the book of Revelation, and, uh, And it's from chapter 10. Verse 1. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow upon his head. So the Rainbow is a symbol of the everlasting covenant. And this angel's coming because he had a rainbow upon his head coming in response to the everlasting covenant. And his face was, as it were, the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book, a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and the left foot upon the earth. And... Uh, you know, he, so he came in, in response to the everlasting covenant. And uh, he had a book, and John's told to go and get that book. He was told to eat it. And, uh, and he did. And he said, in, and he said he, it was sweet to the taste, but bitter to the, bitter to the stomach. And, uh, and I believe that to be the Book of Mormon. But uh, certainly... You know, this church was brought out of uh, obscurity, and uh, and that uh, and it might uh, might might fulfill that the Lord might fulfill the everlasting covenant. And finally, I'd like to read from from the book of Isaiah, chapter twenty-four. And this book by, has been called the Little Apollos or Apollos. By, by scholars, and uh, you know, it's considered sort of a mini book of Revelation. It deals, it's by by scholars, it's it's con- considered to speak to the last days. And he, he starts off twenty four. He says, "Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, maketh it a waste." And turns it upside down and scattereth abroad the inhabitants thereof. And it shall be with the people, as with the priest, as with the servant, so with his master, as with the maid, so with his mistress, as with the buyer, so with the seller, as with the lender, so with the borrower, and so with the taker of Yersey. So, so shall the giver of Yersey. And the latter and the land shall be utterly emptied and, and utterly spoiled, for the Lord has spoken the word. And uh, it says, The earth is defiled under the inhabitants thereof, because they have, have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinance, and broken the everlasting covenant. So this covenant has, has something to do with, with the judgments that are coming upon us. And... You know, it appears that, that some of these judgments have started. But then he goes to, goes, uh, goes to verse 13 and says, When thus it shall be in the midst of the land among the people, there shall be as a shaking of an olive tree. That's, an olive tree has been compared with the house of Israel. As the green grapes with, when the vintage is done. 
and they shall lift up their voice, and they shall sing with the majesty of the Lord. They shall cry aloud from the sea, whereby glory ye the Lord in the fires, in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And I don't think I'll go any other. There's a number of judgments in, in this chapter that are coming up on this. But uh, certainly, certainly the Lord has blessed us. He's blessing this nation. Is, uh, and, uh, and it's because of the everlasting covenant that these things are upon us. And, and uh, you know, it was the everlasting covenant that saved the Gideon people from, from destruction when they would have otherwise been destroyed. And it's the everlasting covenant that, that saves us when, when, when we might, might have gone to hell. So, uh, you know, we've got such a, such a wonderful Lord, and He's allowed us to make a covenant with Him that we might live with Him in, in eternal life, that we might have the Holy Ghost, which is, and the Holy Ghost is part of the, uh, is part of the Godhead, and a portion of that Holy Ghost is given to each and every one of us when we make a covenant with Him. And, uh, yeah. So, so I'd like to to finish with that. That that may we remember our covenant with Him. We haven't entered into a covenant. May we enter into one, and may and may He bless us and keep us keep us in His ways. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Surely the Lord's path will not be turned to the left or to the right, but it will be straight, and it's up to us to follow those or not. If you would, turn with me to number 201. 201, we will close with the singing of Redeemer of Israel. After that, Deacon Chris Beecher will bring us our benediction. great and gracious Heavenly Father. We thank Thee, O Lord, that we could gather in Your house this day. We're thankful for those that have come before us to 
who, who physically built this house worship. We thank Thee, O Lord, for those who came before us, whose hearts You worked in, and Your guidance brought forth this gospel that we, uh, we partake in, that we profess. Lord, I thank You for my brothers that are up here with me this, this morning. Uh, thank You for the, Your words that we feasted upon, uh, brought forth and, and served to us by Brother Steve. We thank Thee for the table that was set through a spiritual per, uh, preparation by Your servant, Jared. Lord, as we go forth this day, may we remember our covenants. Remember to be thankful that You have planted us in Zion, for we are Your sheep. May we always heed the voice of the Good Shepherd, ignoring all others that would lead us astray from you and from the rest of your flock. Lord, through your gentle reminders, may we take time to be holy this week. These things I pray in Christ's holy name. Amen.